The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Well, good morning, guys. My name is Darren Smith, senior pastor here at Tower View Baptist Church. It's good to have you this morning. Uh, This morning we are recording, and uh, some of you will be watching this on Sunday. Some of you will see this now as we're recording on Thursday. What is today? The 12th of November. But regardless, uh, we are here in the Northland of Kansas City. Our website is towerviewkc.com. You know what? We're a church that wants to know, grow, share, and serve Jesus Christ in a gospel-centered way. So if you're local, hey, we invite you out every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We especially invite you to our drive-in service or on the lawn if you want to brave the elements. But thank you for joining us online. That's how many uh, many of you have seen us in these days. And so this morning, and this is by design, I'm going to call him up in just a second, Our intern, uh, Lane Paul from Arkansas, who's been with us about three months or so, I think, is going to be preaching this weekend. It's, it's, personally, it's a break for myself, but it's also experience that's good for him. And we've been blessed by his presence here. I I know, I I won't say, I don't think you will be, I know you will be blessed by his sermon. I want to use the intro. He's going to be coming up talking about, uh, well, I'll let him fill those details, but thank you for being patient. This may sound different than, than the voice you hear from me or Nelson or, or even guest speakers, but pray for him. Pray for the message of the gospel to be clear and, and that if you're a Christian, you're encouraged. And if you're not a Christian, hey, super thanks for joining us. Message us, drop us a note below. We'd love to follow up, especially with what he's going to talk to us about. So Lane, why don't you go ahead and come on up here. Uh, I'm going to pray for Lane. We're going to try and stay socially distant, do that good thing. Uh, This is Lane Paul. Uh, Many of you know Lane locally. Uh, Lane is a student at Midwestern Baptist Seminary, and he's part, uh, he's serving our church through the, um, golly, the Timothy Track Program. I couldn't get it out, which allows uh, uh, both church and student to work together to help tell you Lane has been awesome, so we're super excited for that. Let me pray for you, and then I'm turning it over to you, buddy, as we do. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. Pray for my brother. Thank you for him. Speak boldly through the gospel through him, Father, once again. Lord, for anyone watching today or on Sunday, no matter when this is recorded or heard, may Jesus Christ be lifted high. Thank you so much. We pray all this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, it sounds funny at a church, but whoever's watching this, I'm going to introduce my brother, um, Lane Paul, who desires to be a pastor, and I know you'll hear that today. So Lane, it's all yours, brother. Thank you. Good morning, good afternoon, whenever, wherever you're listening to this. My name is Lane Paul, as that's already been established. I am the Timothy Track intern here at Tower View, and I'm so glad to be able to preach the Word this morning, to be able to lead us in the worship of God's Word. And so this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 19, verse 30. This is going to be our primary passage. This is the passage upon All this whole discussion revolves around. This is integral. John chapter 19, verse 30. And not only is it integral for the sermon, it's integral for the Christian life. John chapter 19, verse 
30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now we're just jumping right into it, right? This is just the right moment in history. This is where Jesus Christ, the God-man, dies. He gives, takes a drink of wine and he gives up his spirit and says, It is finished. This is the moment where history revolves around. This is the center point of the Christian faith and message. This is the day where humanity found hope. But why do we have hope? Why do we have hope in God dying? Why do we have hope in God dying? Well, it gets worse, it sounds like, the more we contemplate it, but... It's only worse until you realize that your sins are forgiven in this moment. That up until the Can you feel the agony, the pain, the suffering? For hours, Christ hung on a cross, held there by three rusty nails. For my sin. Soon the moment would come where Jesus would find relief. All this pain and suffering culminating in this single moment when Jesus accomplished when he gave up his spirit. And to understand this, we must understand that we have a grave problem on our hands. The problem that we are a people in need of saving. And there was a time when I was about nine years old and myself in the magical world of Silver Dollar City. And there used to be a section of this park that uh, had an immense ball pit-like area and it had this vacuum tube for the balls. And as a young man, I was thoroughly dedicated to the task of getting the job done and cleaning the floor of all the balls. Needless to say, I was very invested in this task. I was very just single-minded, got to get this done. And in the midst of my work, my grandparents had shouted to me saying, Lane, we're leaving. Clearly, I didn't hear that, but news flashed to me after I had gotten bored about 30 seconds later after I'd seen the balls coming back down that uh, my grandparents were gone. And if it wasn't obvious, I was in a major panic at this point. And I don't know if you've ever been lost at a, ball, or at a, a theme park and, uh, you know, eight years old, but it's, it's awful. I was in desperate need of saving. Luckily, some stranger had taken it upon himself to point the way back to my grandparents after seeing this eight-year-old boy terrified by himself alone in Silver Dollar City. And really, this could have been worse for me. I could have been spending my entire life at a, for an eternity of park work at Silver Dollar City, but I avoided that tragic fate. <laughs> Comical this story may be, this is where each and every one of us find ourselves today. See, even though you might not have a story similar to mine, there is a story like this that connects all of humanity. It's no mere, mere tale, but is the retelling of mankind's origin. And if you are a, 
unbeliever today hearing this, it might sound like fiction. It might sound very strange. But do not mistake this. It is not fantasy. In your heart, you know that there is a need for this world to go back to the way it used to be. Before it was broken. Before there was sin. In the first chapter of Genesis, we see God creating everything by the mere power of His breath. And it was good. In Genesis 2, we see man living in this perfect world. Walking with God. Working for God. But soon after, there's an intruder in the garden. And that's when everything goes up in smoke. Adam and Eve. So Genesis 3. God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Between your offspring and your offspring. You here is the fall of shall bruise his heel. So the idea here, and it's so easy to miss this, that it's the The serpent. And this idea of the promised child is further throughout Genesis. And then we make it to Exodus without a Moses, who is a type of Christ, leading God's people from to serving God. In Exodus, it's a literal Exodus of the people. It's a out of the people, like Christ saves his people from slavery to sin to serving God. The next book in the Bible is Leviticus. It's about how God's people are supposed to relate to Him. But these people, these Israelites, have clearly fallen short of the mark that God has called them to. It shows the need for the Levitical priests to make sacrifice constantly. It seems like this work's going to go on forever and ever because all they do is sin year after year after year. They have to keep sacrificing goats and bulls over and over again. For the sins of the people because nobody can obey the law. Then we get to Numbers. Specifically a reminder of God's promises in Genesis. In Numbers 24, 16, and 17 we see language that's similar to the bruising of a serpent's head. And it points us even further back from Numbers to Genesis. This is Numbers 24, 16, and 17. The oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. A ruler pro prophesied like Jacob did to Judah that the scepter shall not depart from Judah. A scepter rising out of Israel. One who would crush the head of their enemies. The serpent. We get to Deuteronomy. We see Moses time and time again pleading with God to spare his foolish people. Then God hits Moses with some good news. Deuteronomy 18, 17 to 19. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. 
and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. This is the greater prophet, Jesus. The role that Moses is describing is the role of a mediator, one who goes to God on behalf of his people. This is actually quoted in Acts chapter 3, verse 22. This is a prophet that is of God, but that also is of the people of Israel. God in the human flesh. So we're waiting for a prophet, one that will be greater than Moses, a king whose scepter shall not depart from him, and a priest, somebody who can perfectly fulfill the role of priest, at least, with a perfect sacrifice. And so we fast forward a little bit more in the biblical narrative. We get to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. The people thought up to this point that maybe David was it. Maybe David was the man. Maybe David was the one because he had offered sacrifices to the Lord that were acceptable and pleasing. He wasn't of the line of the Levites. He wasn't the priest. He had spoken with God. He had prayed on behalf of the people to God like a prophet would. He mediated. And he was clearly a king. He was one who ruled over Israel. But then he failed. He murdered and committed adultery. But God gives him a promise in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. It's God talking to, Samuel, or to David here. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up for your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This is God's promise for a fulfillment of this even in light of David's massive failure. The word, when it says, when he commits iniquity, I, I am convinced that it's actually if, it should be translated, if he commits iniquity, I will discipline him. But, this, this is why, because, but my steadfast love will not depart from him. God, a son of God, a son of David and God, one who would fulfill all of the Old Testament, the promised offspring from Genesis 3. This theme of a Redeemer is all throughout the Old Testament. Let's turn to Job. Job chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. Man, this, this really hits the nail on the head. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. Job's hope was in the Redeemer King, who is the alive in the future. Job knew his sin need for redemption. That there's a clear Redeemer of who is ever in Satan. Sometimes it 
it's pretty clear that the notice that these spoken nine if I'm honest king been fulfilled shout aloud O daughter of Jerusalem behold you palm leaves and Is he back? The disciple. Fulfillment was teen. We see the fulfillment. Psalm 69 21. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me what? Sour wine to drink. Another psalm being fulfilled directly before their eyes. And it might have been less obvious unless John hadn't pointed it out. The other psalm is from Psalm 22. And when Brian was here preaching, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so I, I think there's a, there's a pretty clear song memorization idea here that I'm totally ripping off from another pastor I've listened to. But it's totally useful. So I'm going to say the first half of the lyric, and I'd like you to finish it for me. I want you to do this with me. So, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, right? I once was lost, but now I'm found. It doesn't take long to realize the familiarity with some of these things that the Jews truly would have had. This was their songbook. They would have realized that this was it. You're going to labor just a little more to put the proverbial nail in the coffin. This one should have been clear as day to the Jews right in front of Jesus as he was suffering. Isaiah 53. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as from one whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And every time I read this, I just, in my mind, I just see Jesus on the cross. And, and I just, I just hear it in my mind. Just, just, it should be so clear that it was Jesus the whole time. And I'm sure you're aware there's much, much more to dive into about Christ. This should suffice. All throughout the Old Testament, it was clear. One who would come, who would suffer and who would redeem his people. The last thing Jesus said, in order that all might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst, they gave him sour wine. Then he said, it is finished. After so long, it finally happened. God had fulfilled his promises to his people. But then he gave us something more, something new. Because when Christ says it is finished, he is inaugurating a new covenant. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. 
Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor, and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This is the covenant that Christ has inaugurated. This is the covenant that changes our Godward relationship. In the old covenant, there was so much required of God's people to be made right with God. The covenant that God created with his people after they had come out of Egypt. This was very. on they were to be contained in the ark of the covenant which was the mercy seat of god that once his spirit came into the temple and dwelled upon that was the seat of god those laws couldn't save israel because nobody could obey them not one of the ten of them this is why in the book of leviticus there are so many purification laws so that israel would be right with god so ask yourself how do i measure up is there a day when you haven't lied, cheated, stolen, coveted, lusted, any of the rest? You dare not say yes, because that puts you in the lying category. Israel needed daily forgiveness because none of them, like us, could even match up to one of these mere ten rules. They had to make atonement that was only temporary, because this atonement day each year lasted a year till they had to do it again. And so the cycle went on each and every year. On and on and on, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, sin after sin after sin. There's not much hope in temporary forgiveness. These priests would have had to do it forever. And if they did it wrong on the Day of Atonement, they would have died. That's why the work of Jesus should have been such a big deal to the Jews. When Jesus died, he finished the priestly work by obeying the Old Covenant, therefore fulfilling all all that was in it. Not only did he obey it, he also became the perfect sacrifice for it to pay for the shortcoming of his people because they couldn't do it. When he inaugurated this new covenant, he fundamentally changed the way that all his people relate to God. Now the people of God have a new law, the law of grace. And like the Ten Commandments were stored in the Ark of the Covenant, this law, this tablet is written on our hearts and our body our body is the temple of the holy spirit church this is what christ accomplished for us when he said it is finished we as a church are united under the confession that jesus christ is lord and the day he died he finished the work of the old covenant that now we celebrate as those forgiven believing in what was done rather than sacrificing animals in expectation of the one coming. We live a life of obedience as a church in celebrating the one life that Christ lived. And because he perfectly fulfilled the requirements of the law on behalf of all those who believe in him and repent of their sins, we live life in light of the new covenant as a forgiven people. Christian, 
How do you feel about this? Your Lord living a perfect life in your stead. Do you feel the weight of Christ hanging on the cross on nails in order to fulfill all the requirements of the old covenant? You are a part of the new covenant. If you confess that Jesus is Lord, if you repent of your sins and turn and follow him, do you know this law on your heart? Do you understand the joy and the thankfulness you should be feeling at this moment? God remembers your sin no more. Bask in the glory of your God as we dive into this final text to really put the cherry on top. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 25. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Christian, when Christ said it is finished, you were completely forgiven. There has never been a righteous man to live on this earth except for Jesus Christ. And he died on the cross for your right standing with God, for my right standing with God. Jesus Christ is a propitiation, propitiation. It's an atoning sacrifice. Appeasing the wrath of God. Jesus Christ on a as a propitiation on your behalf said, It is finished. You are totally justified. There is nothing more you can do to save you. Christ did it all. All the sins of the believers under the old covenant were passed over because of the blood of goats in anticipation of this day. Of the day when Jesus Christ would say, It is finished. This is what is divine forbearance. Every single time the high priest would go into the holy of holies, every single sacrifice, every single goat released into the wilderness, all was in anticipation of the day when one would say, it is finished. God put forward, God the Father put forward Christ the Son as a propitiation for sins so that God the Spirit would come and indwell His people as a part of the new covenant. When Christ died, this is crazy, people. This is the wrath of God the Father being poured out on Christ the Son. Christian, listen. This is important. This wrath was poured out on Christ in a matter of hours for the sake of sin, for the sin of His people. You should be humbled by this, Christian. This is something I wrestle with every morning because I am a sinner who is given breath by a holy God. The wrath that was poured out on Christ as a propitiation would have taken an eternity to pour out on me. <laughs> Christian, you were justified as a gift. Don't take this lightly. It cost God himself his life. What you couldn't do what would have taken God an eternity to pour out on you and me took a matter of hours to pour out on Christ. Family, no matter what you've done, where you've been, Christ has forgiven you. The wrath of God exists no more on us. He has no more memory of our sins. It's not that he's forgotten, but it's representative of how great this forgiveness is. It cost the Father his only son. And that's the seriousness. He now calls us sons and daughters by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
brother, sister, the next time you mess up, the next time you think, I can never be forgiven. I'm a horrible being. Remember what Christ has done on your behalf. When Christ said, it is finished, you were completely forgiven. There is nothing you can add, nothing you can subtract. You are sealed in eternity. There is nothing more we can add and there's nothing more I can add to this. Because like Jesus Christ said that day, it is finished.